Y'all hear the bass line? Did you hear the bass line? I, I can hold my own. Amen, amen. How y'all doing, Faith Bible? Good, good, good. We used to, we grew up, whether you realize it or not, uh, singing with my mom. Uh, and it was something that our family did, and then it just kind of, uh, we kind of got away from it, but uh, glad to see that at least the girls are getting back together, and uh, it's obvious that God's hand is all over that. Amen? Amen. Amen. So I got a question. What do you do when you are a really sincere follower of Jesus Christ, and you believe that God can answer your prayer and he doesn't. I mean, is it just me or have you ever asked God for something and God said no? Raise your hand if that's ever happened to you. Either he didn't give you what you asked for or he allowed something that you asked him not to allow. Is it me or have you ever been in a situation where there was nothing you could do to make it better but you knew God could? And although you knew he could, it's as if by not doing it, God said no. And no matter how hard you tried, no matter how much you spent, how much you argued, how much you pleaded, how much you prayed, things just did not get better. If you haven't been in a situation like that, keep living. Because it's coming. And I don't say that to scare you. I say that to just give you a dose of reality because modern day Western Christianity would fool us into believing that if you have enough faith and if you're faithful enough and if you pay your tithes and if you bless the pastor and if you serve in the ministry, then everything's going to be peachy keen and nothing bad is going to ever happen. And I'm here to tell you not just from the word of God, that too, but as a living witness, that is a lie from the pit of hell. Into each life, some rain must. It don't say may. It don't say it might. Into each life, some rain must what? It's part of it, man. It's part of it. The question is, what should we do, Pastor, when things don't get better? And today, I want to look at the life of a guy by the name of the Apostle Paul and one specific story. And I want to bring out some truths uh, from that story to see what we should do when things don't get better. And the thing that I want you to take away today, if you don't take away anything else, is that prayer isn't about getting what we want as much as it's about agreeing with what God wants. I'm going to say that again. Prayer is not always about getting what we want, but sometimes it's about agreeing with what God wants. 2 Corinthians 12 and 7 reads this way. It says, so to keep me, the Apostle Paul talking, from becoming, what's that next word? Conceited. There we go, conceited. All right, somebody say conceited. 
because of the the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan. Watch this. To do what? He says, God gave me this thorn. It was a messenger of Satan, and it was put there for no other reason than to do what? Harass me. Watch this. To keep me from becoming, what's that word? Conceited. Paul says, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in the what? Flesh. Now watch this. What is a thorn? What does he mean by thorn in the flesh? Well, scholars have argued about what the thorn is and what it means for years, and everybody has their guess. Most scholars think that it was some kind of physical ailment. Some believe that it was his opposition. Some people say it was headaches or epilepsy. Some people say because he wrote, you see I'm writing you in big letters at the end of Galatians that uh, it was an eye problem. But whatever it is, Paul says this thing was tormenting me. And we don't know what it was. All we know is there was something going on that in his life that was tormenting Paul that he did not what? He didn't like. So let me ask you this. What's your thorn? What's your thorn? We all have a thorn. We all have something that seems like it's there. It seems like God leaves it there. No matter how much we pray, no matter how much we ask the Lord, no matter how much we plead, there's something there that seems like it was put there in order to keep us humble. Paul says, I was given this thorn in the flesh. What's your thorn? Somebody say, my thorn rode with church to church with me this morning. <laughs> no, don't look at them. Don't nudge them, don't elbow them. Somebody looking like I left my thorn at the house. Well, I'm glad they're not here. What's your thorn? For some of you, it might be a health issue that you prayed and prayed and prayed about. It could be a depression. It could be a sleep issue. A thorn is anything that you ask God to change and he doesn't change. It's anything that you ask God to change and he doesn't change. Bill Booknight says that a thorn is whatever causes you pain or frustration or sadness. They come in all shapes and sizes, migraine headaches, bad backs, arthritis, depression, anxiety, shingles, unhappy marriage, impossible boss, a child on drugs, and on and on and on and on. And here's the deal. We all have a thorn. A thorn can be a child who's disgraced us, a lapse of judgment. In this world, there are things hoped for, and things that you are stuck with. The thorns in life are not the things that are hoped for. They're the things that you get stuck with. And you can't extract them. You can't pull them out. You can't get rid of them. No matter how hard you try, you're stuck with it. And Paul says the reason why God gave me my thorn, go back to my verse, is so that I would not get conceited. 
Why in the world would the apostle Paul, pastor, get conceited? Well, understand who Paul was. Paul had accomplished a lot of great things for God. He wrote over half of the New Testament. Paul had a conversion experience unlike any other conversion experience. Jesus Christ actually showed, shined a light down from heaven and blinded him on the road to Damascus and started talking to him. Now, I don't know what your conversion experience was like, but it wasn't like Paul's. Not only that, God had used Paul to win a lot of people to Christ. He had sailed halfway around the world on missionary journeys. Paul had raised the dead. He had healed the sick. God had used him to do a lot of great things. He was shipwrecked, snake bitten, stone, beaten with rods, put in prison, and yet he remained faithful. And then in this passage of scripture, right before this, Paul talks about how he was caught up into the third heaven and how God showed him some stuff that nobody else could understand. And so if you're Paul, you got to be careful because of all the great things that God has used you to do, you could become conceited. You could get to the place where you're feeling like, you know, God's used me to do a whole lot of stuff. God's used me to accomplish many great things. And if you're not careful, you could get puffed up. That's why I tell people all the time, be careful when folks saying all good things about you. One of the greatest lessons my father ever taught me was don't listen to your own press. See, I'll be hearing y'all when y'all be talking about, oh, pastor, that was a powerful message. And oh, you preach so good and I can never get tired of listening to you. And I'm sitting here thinking, well, I get tired of listening to you. But I'm careful with that. Why? Because every now and then, I start to feel good about myself. Like when, right before I went on vacation, you know, everything was going good. The church has been growing. Attendance is up 20% over what it was last year. The offerings are up and everything's going smooth. The people getting connected and things are going well. Slidell campus is doing good. We're up over 100% of what we were last year in Slidell, and it's just going good. And so I'm getting ready to go on vacation, and I'm like, man, I'm scared to go on vacation. We got momentum. Things are going well. I'm scared if I leave, it's going to mess up. <laughs> I went on vacation, and attendance went up. What y'all trying to tell me? <laughs> now, I'm going to go through the records and find who came. <laughs> While I was out, we're going to have coffee. <laughs> Attendance went up, giving stayed the same. Folk kept getting saved, kept getting baptized, kept joining the church, still had a great number of first-time guests, People still talking about how good church was all over Facebook, like 
Faith Bible was awesome today. I'm like, nobody want to hear that. <laughs> you know what God t- so said to me? I don't need you, bro. What's going on at Faith Bible is not because of you. It's because of me. And understand what's going on at Faith Bible could be going on either with you or without you. And I let you in on what I'm doing. But that don't mean that you got to be there in order for me to do it. That don't mean you got to be a part of it in order for me to do it. I'm going to do what I'm going to do regardless. Yes, I'm using you, but don't get it twisted like I need you to do what I do. So for the whole month of June, y'all was my thorn. God's way of keeping me from being conceited. Paul said that's the reason why God gave me a thorn. Well, pastor, if, if God's going to not answer our prayer sometime, why in the world do we need to pray? Well, first of all, don't miss the point of prayer. Don't miss the point of prayer. Prayer is not just because we want God to do everything we want him to do. Instead, sometimes prayer is to remind us that we are not in control. It's to remind us that we are not in what? Control. Sometimes prayer is just God's way of letting us know you ain't running nothing but your mouth. Watch 2 Corinthians 12, 8, verse 8. Watch what it says. It says, how many times? Paul says, three times I did what? I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should do what? Leave me. Notice something. Paul not, doesn't just beg God to fix the problem, but he also tells God how he wants him to fix it. He says, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this. He says, and I'm telling God that it ought to what? He's telling God how he want to fix it. He didn't say take away the pain. He didn't say stop it from getting on my nerves. He didn't say, Lord, whatever you want to do with this, do it. I just need some relief. He said, I told God that this thorn had to what? Ain't that like us? Don't we tell God how to fix it? Don't, don't we tell God how, how we want the problem fixed? Lord, and, and we lock God in a box. Where we basically, and we would never say this out of our mouths, but where we basically tell God in our thinking, if you, and in our attitude, if you don't fix it this way, well, then I won't consider it fixed. Now, I want you to think about that for a second. You don't know how to fix it. And a lot of times, you don't even know how it got messed up. But you're going to tell an all-knowing, all-powerful God how he ought to do things. We go to God and tell him exactly how we think. We, and I'm sure God in heaven sometimes is looking at us like, you, you done lost your mind. You don't know A from B and can't figure your way out of a wet paper bag without me, and yet you're going to tell me how to fix your problem. Notice what he says. Paul says, three times I pleaded with the Lord. Understand this. 
When he says three times, it's not a literal three times. It's Paul going into three seasons of prayer. In other words, what he was saying was, I begged God. I fasted to the Lord. I went in real intercessory prayer like shut the TV off, shut down Facebook. I'm not talking to nobody. I'm getting by myself. I'm going in my closet. And for however long I got to plead with God, I'm going to plead with God. Three times I pleaded with the Lord and went into seasons of prayer. I was serious about what I wanted God to do. He was basically saying, Lord, I trust you. I I, I don't understand it, but I really, really, really need you to remove this thorn. And some of us are just like Paul. You've been praying to God about something for a long time. You got a thorn that God just won't seem to remove. And you've been praying about it and praying about it and praying about it. Lord, take this health issue. Lord, restore my marriage. Lord, fix my child. Lord, give me another job. Lord, do this and Lord, do that. And you've been in a season of prayer. And I got to be honest with you, if I were God, I'm like you. And Paul, after all he's done for me, is praying to me and asking me to get rid of his thorn. You know what I'm saying? Done. As much as you've done for me, as much as you've done for the kingdom, but watch God's response. Verse 9. But he said to me, my grace is what? What? Lord, what does that even mean? Your grace is sufficient. What? Grace. Isn't grace what we get saved by? What does your grace have to do with my problem? God says, my grace is sufficient, Paul. Understand the word grace here is translated unmerited favor. See, grace isn't just what we experience at conversion, but grace is God allowing us to fully experience who he is. So when he says to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, what God was saying to Paul is, I'm not going to take away the thorn, but here's what I will give you. Paul, I'm going to allow you to fully experience who I was, who I am. Y'all still looking at me crazy. It's like this. Joyce and I, when Emory go to surgery, It's one of the toughest things as a parent that you want to deal with. And I get nervous. I'm a nervous wreck every time. Like, Joyce is real good at it. Like, I can't handle it. Every time we go to surgery, like, I get nervous and, like, I don't don't deal with it well. Joyce is a, a pro. She's a champ at dealing with him in surgery because every time he comes out of surgery, they have to go in and they have to cut his bone back. And as you can imagine, they've been doing this since he was like zero months old every two to three years. And as you can imagine, after the surgery, somebody go in and saw your bone, it creates a lot of what? 
I can't handle it. I gotta go, I, I'm going to study. I'm going to the church. I'm going to do anything but be here. I cannot handle it. I left after one surgery, and I went to go take care of some business or whatever, and I came back, and Emory was screaming in pain. One hour, he screamed. Two hours, he screamed. Three hours, he was still screaming. They came in and gave him some morphine, and that did it for about 15 minutes. He woke up all of a sudden out of his sleep, and he went right back to what? Couldn't do anything about it. What Joycelyn did was she couldn't do anything about it, but she took off her shoes. And at the time, he was about two or three years old. She took off her shoes and she climbed in the baby bed with him. And even though she couldn't do anything about his pain, she just sat there and she hugged him and she rocked him and she held him while he was in pain. What are you saying, Pastor? What God is saying here in this text is what I will do for you, even though I won't take away your thorn, is I'm going to get in the bed with you. And I'm going to wrap you in my loving arms. And while you go through what you're going through, I'm going to be there with you every step of the way and get this you will never experience me like you're going to experience me while you're dealing with the thorn you will never be closer to me than when you're as close to me as you are when you're going through the thorns of life and here's the deal the reason why I'm letting you go through this the reason why I'm not taking away the thorn is because more than you need me to remove the thorn, you need to be in my presence. More than you need me to remove the thorn, you need to know who I am. And if I remove the thorn, you never get to know me as the great healer. If I remove the thorn, you never get to know me as the great deliverer. If I remove the thorn, you never get to know how my grace is sufficient. And despite the fact that you don't have what you want, I am all that you need. So I'm not going to remove the thorn. But I'll tell you what I do. I'm going to be in there with you, and you'll experience me like you've never experienced me before. Watch what he says. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Watch this. For my power is made perfect in what? You, you, don't, you don't get to experience my power unless you come to a place where you're weak. It's like this. You ever, you ever tried to tell your kids something, and they told you, I know, I know, I know, I know. And you want to say, you big dummy? <laughs> well, you say, in my house we say, you big dummy. You don't know what? Don't say that in church. You don't know nothing. Watch this. And really what you want them to do, and sometimes what you do is you just let them try what they think they were what they think they know. 
and, and you, you just say, all right, Lord, well, I'm just going to sit back and I'm going to wait for them to bust their head. I'm going to wait for life to kick them around. And then they're going to see, I know what I'm talking about. And all I can do is just pray that they don't do no life-altering damage. Because at this point, you can teach them better than what? I can. What is God saying? God is saying, my power is made perfect in your what? Weakness. Watch what he says. Paul talks about being conceited. And then on the end, he says, God's power is made perfect in our what? Weakness. What is he saying? Sometimes God has to allow the thorns in order for us to get to the point where we quit telling him we know. And when we will allow him to be who he's supposed to be in our lives, and that is God. And so sometimes what he does is he gives us a thorn and make us deal with it to show us we ain't in control, we ain't running nothing. Show us just how weak we are without him. So we can get to the place where we recognize that without him we can do what? Nothing. Therefore, he says, I will boast all the more gladly. In my what? So that the power of Christ may rest upon me. In other words, what he was saying was, I want to experience the power of God more than I want to experience an answer to my prayer. I want to experience the power of God more than I want to experience what I'm asking God for. And so when I'm weak, I'm glad about it. And what was supposed to make me bend, what was supposed to make me fold, what was supposed to make me break, is not doing any of that to me. Instead, I'm happy about it. Why? Because then I get to experience God like I've never experienced him before. Does that make sense? Are you glad about it? Give God a big, huge round of applause. Father, thank you for the fact that your strength is made perfect in our weakness. 